Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the Recover with Carly podcast. I am so excited for today's episode, and I roll my eyes when I say that because I literally say it every single episode (laughs) because I always just get so excited about the guests that I get to have on. Um, I don't know if you all have noticed, but I haven't done a solo episode in a while because I just love, love, love having guests on, and I think that the conversation is usually just feels more natural when I have someone else here to talk to um, and to kind of get a different perspective and to hear someone else's story. So um, I am always very excited. So when I say that, I do genuinely mean it. Um, But today I have my friend Chloe, who I have been following for so long on social media. Um, This is actually our first time meeting like video chat. Yeah, video chat. (laughs) I'm like not IRL because this is not like we're not face to face, but it is IRL. Yeah. It's like outside of the DMs. Um, So it's really, really (laughs) exciting to be able to be here and to talk to you today. So welcome, Chloe. Thank you. I'm really excited to be here with you. (laughs) You look beautiful. You look sun-kissed. You look like a little beach goddess which I love thank you my hair is like still wet from the ocean so (laughs) but I love that I'm so jealous like I wish my hair was wet from the ocean right now (laughs) I I totally get it yeah so um Chloe do you mind just sharing with the listeners a little bit about yourself um for those of for those of you who are listening who aren't familiar with Chloe um just kind of sharing a little bit about who you are Yeah. So I am like a body positive slash body neutrality um, influencer. It wasn't always that way. I kind of started about two and a half years ago um, over on TikTok, just posting about it because I was healing from an eating disorder myself. And I was learning a lot through therapy. And I kind of wanted to spread the news and share the knowledge that I was learning about. Um, because I know knew so many people who were struggling with the same thing. So I just started posting about it and I really started loving it. So I left my full-time job um, as a social media manager and I just started posting all the time because it, it's something that feels good for me to do. I feel like I'm doing something good and you know, I feel like I'm getting receiving positivity back. So it's like a two way street and I'm just, I'm really loving it so far. And I followed you for so long too, like since the beginning, like you were a huge inspiration for me. So it's just interesting to see this kind of come full circle right now. Mm-hmm. 100%. And I, I guess I didn't know that you started on TikTok. I guess that's yeah. like new for me. I realized, yeah, I didn't realize that. Yeah. So I, right when COVID was like, we were in the middle of COVID, I, um, I posted about, you know, I had, my body had changed during COVID. I had gained the weight back that I had lost, um, when I was struggling with an eating disorder and, you know, I wanted to post that I was thankful for my body and I did. And it, it just randomly blew up and it's always the most interesting random videos that you don't think will that do. (laughs) And it, it kind of took off from there. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. yeah, I I totally relate to the randomness. I think that's what one part that makes social media so difficult and yeah. frustrating is that you can put so much time into one video. I think that my most viral video is like this silly video of me 
in the pool and I have right. my goggles on and I'm like, do you want to play? I remember moments? that video. <laughs> I remember that video. And it was like the most random video. I was like yeah. tipsy and I just like had my friend film it yeah. and I posted it and I was like, oh shit, like this is like, this is like doing well. <laughs> this is going viral. And then I'm like, but it's so frustrating because the videos that have a really important message or that took a lot of time right. usually don't do that well. So totally relate right. to that. It's so random. I relate to that. <laughs> it's it so can be frustrating, but it's also really rewarding. It's like hit or miss on every video pretty much. <laughs> definitely. Definitely. Yeah. So you started on TikTok and then mm-hmm. were you already on Instagram or did you make that? shift after going viral on TikTok? Yeah. So I actually, when I started out on Instagram, I was kind of sharing social media tips because that was my mm-hmm. job in the first place. Um, and I realized that I didn't feel fulfilled by it. Um, so I was like, you know, why don't I just post here too? I don't know what it was. I just felt like TikTok was a little more casual than Instagram. And I liked that. Um, and as Instagram started doing reels, I just started posting things on there as well because it felt more casual and that's what I like. Yeah. And it I, it kind of just took off as well. And then mm-hmm. it became a job for me. So, yeah. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, I, I feel like that I relate to the um, casual side of TikTok. Like I feel like yeah. not – as much effort or not effort, but thought process for me goes into my TikToks. And I feel yes. like I can like find a sound and like film something silly and like post it Same. without really thinking about it. Same. Um, whereas, whereas Instagram, I feel like it is just a platform that feels a little bit more curated. Yeah. And Edited, there's like perfect. all this pressure. Yeah. Pressure for it to be like aesthetically pleasing and yes. all of that. And I'm sure you saw that being like in the social media managing world definitely Um, like people who have their themes and their aesthetic and stuff yeah and I've never been that person (laughs) like I just don't have the patience to like make sure everything that I'm posting is like the same aesthetic or that my grid looks a certain way so if you go to my page it's like very random and then like screen grabs from my reels yeah like Like, I'll be on vacation posting like such pretty things and then I'll go back to Pittsburgh and it's just like my wall and me (laughs) whatever yeah it's I mean it is who we are so yeah you know exactly I think obviously it's working for you because you're doing amazing you're reaching so many people and I think that the work you're doing is just phenomenal and so important you You mentioned Mm -hmm. you battled an eating disorder um and part of kind of why you started posting on TikTok was the changes you were seeing in your body during COVID Mm -hmm. Um, which I can relate to as well. I, I gained weight during COVID. I think a large majority of the population saw changes in their body during COVID because we were just at home and we had access to yummy food and, you know, like there were, there was a lot of mental and emotional aspects to it as well. Um, but I'm curious, like what has your relationship with your body looked like um like when did that all start for you and kind of how did you get to where you're at now so 
Yeah, this is crazy. I feel like I've never really talked about like why I felt the way I did about my body before and what led me into it. So I'm glad we're having this conversation. Um, I was dating uh, a guy and it was kind of like a first love type of thing. Um, but in a really toxic way, I grew up with like an abusive dad, kind of didn't know what love was supposed to look like a relationship, healthy one. And I was dating a guy who told me, you know, if you were to gain weight, like I wouldn't want to be with you. So I did that. I kind of really got in my head and I just thought I had to change my body to be what men desired which is such a sick thing (laughs) like I've come so far Mm -hmm. um but it led to me eating one potato a day that was my diet for eight months I dropped about 86 pounds really quickly um and you know I was making myself get sick so I could stay a certain way and it, it led, it led to me being in the hospital and I ended up with heart damage permanently. So I knew something had to change. So I started going to cognitive behavioral therapy and, um, I, at first I was like, you know, nothing can help me. Like I wasn't beautiful if I had, if I was any bigger than a size two, which is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. And, um, I really just struggled for years with that. And finally I went to therapy Um, and I worked for about three years to get into recovery. And finally I fixed my relationship with food. Um, but kind of in between, I struggled really bad with binge eating because Mm -hmm. I was healing from starving myself, but I was also kind of still struggling with like a happy medium, like a balance. Um, and that's still something I really have to really work on. It's like a lifelong thing you really have to Mm -hmm. concentrate on and work at. But I now I just I truly can say that I just love my body um and I've never been able to say that before I love my rolls I love my curves I love my stretch marks I feel beautiful um I thought you know I wasn't able to be like I was told being curvy and plus size wasn't feminine and that's just so far from the truth you can be whatever you want to be at any size and I've learned that and I've really embraced that and I kind of want to just tell other people like Hey, I did it and you can freaking do it too. And if, if I have to normalize my body for myself, so I'm comfortable with it, I hope to do the same for other people. So like Mm -hmm. if someone sees me on social media and they say, oh, that's my body type and she feels confident. It was me following people like you and other influencers that made me comfortable and say, oh my gosh, like she's so beautiful. Why am I not looking at myself like that? And then I started believing it too. So that's like the goal with my whole page is just. To never let little girls like me struggle in the way that I did, hopefully. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, and that's that's so beautiful. I think that that, you know, that concept that you mentioned in terms of like your part of within your recovery experiencing Mm -hmm. like some binging, I think that that is something that a lot of people don't realizes that can be extremely common in recovery, right? Because you're still you have this relationship with food that's very restrictive and your body has kind of like adapted in a way, um, maybe not healthy, but has adapted in a way to the restrictive eating. And then you start your recovery and you start implementing all of these foods that maybe you didn't allow yourself to eat before. Um, 
and you're like, oh, this is all so good. And I want to eat. Yeah, I want it all. (laughs) Yeah. And it feels good to be able to eat foods that you maybe weren't allowed, allowing yourself to eat before. Right. Um, And so I think that that's an important kind of thing to bring up because I, I think that people from my experience and with clients, like that is a really scary part of recovery for people is almost this fear of like, what if I lose all control? What if I don't have control over how much I eat and what I eat? And that's that's where I was at. Right. So I think that that's a big thing is like that fear of gaining weight. And then that fear of like not having control and just being completely out of control. But I think that like remembering that it is this, like, you kind of have to go to the other side of that pendulum before you kind of get to that middle area where you're like, okay, this is what feels good. This isn't restrictive. This isn't overeating, right? This is like the the middle ground for my body in a way that feels like intuitive in a way and help like allowing your body to redevelop those like hunger cues and communication skills. Absolutely. And sometimes I definitely still struggle like with binge eating, especially um, because I'm still healing. Like I, I, mm-hmm. I would love to say, you know, I'm completely healed, but I'm not, I still am like mm-hmm. constantly in therapy every week for it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm kind of learning as I go and just learning to love myself and have a healthy relationship with food and my body a little more each day. So it's like yeah. a constant work in progress, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think normalizing yeah. that is so important, right? Like normalizing that this work is lifelong and yeah. there it's going to obviously feel easier over time, right. but it's not going to just like go away. Um, and so I think that that's, that can be helpful to understand because – from my experience, I remember when I was in recovery and I felt like I had recovered, quote unquote, recovered. And then I would have like old thoughts and yeah. I was like, well, wait, then I'm not recovered or I'm failing at this. Yeah. And, and I freak out about it. I freak out. And I'm like, well, I might yeah. as well go back all the way back to square one. And it's yeah. like, no, 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 no. <laughs> Let's pause for a minute. Let's yeah. Let's gather ourselves. Let's re-regulate. Let's understand that you are human and we're going to have these thoughts and we're going to yeah. like have these days. And those thoughts in those days don't automatically mean that all the work that you've put in is just gone. Right. It's all exactly. still there. It's just got to get yourself exactly. back to that place. And some yeah. days that's harder than others. Yeah. I think like surrounding yourself with a support system too is really important. Like I didn't realize and I really wasn't telling people what I was going through. Um, and like, then when I like was able to kind of open up to my friends, my mom, my twin, like things just kind of got a lot better because I felt like people were just there to check on me. And mm-hmm. I feel like that's why also like we kind of do what we do is because we want to be that support system for people who don't have that support system, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. like we realize how important that is. Yeah. I I always tell people I'm like the hardest part of, of like coming to terms with whatever you're experiencing, whether it's an eating disorder or anxiety or depression or anything like that. The hardest, the hardest part always is sharing that with someone else is like opening up and like putting that out there 
but it is also like the most impactful and like powerful decision that we make because we're allowing ourselves to like be vulnerable and say, absolutely, I'm experiencing this and I can share this with you and not feel shame or not feel like I have to hide it anymore. And I, I think that that's like one of the most important parts of the entire healing journey as a whole. I completely agree with that. Yeah. Which I think is why, you know, like you said, what you do and what, you know, what we do, what other creators do online is so Mm -hmm. important because people who don't have parents who would be accepting or who would take it serious, right. Or who would just like invalidate what they're feeling um, or friends or family or, or whoever it may be, just having one person, even if it's a stranger that you've met online. Yes. That is exactly. just like, I hear you and you're not alone. Life-changing. It's like 100% life-changing. So yeah. incredible. I love it. <laughs> Same. So you mentioned you mentioned that your eating disorder started around the time um, of this relationship that you were in. And yeah. I'm curious, before then, as mm-hmm. like a child, did you have those same kind of struggles or did it just come up within your relationship? So as I said, like I grew up with an abusive dad and it was physically, sexually, but also verbally. Mm -hmm. And, um, I grew up and heard him talk to my mom a certain way about her weight and just that as if it was the worst thing in the world that she Mm -hmm. was gaining weight from being pregnant, that she, you know, her body was changing. And I grew up and my dad would just look at me and I don't think this is offensive anymore, but he would look at me and just call me a fat. He'd be like, you're a fat. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I'm four. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. it's interesting because I started really getting insecure about my body in front of men, uh, kind of around that age. Um, and my mom really tried her hardest to kind of dismantle it for me. But obviously when you're hearing it all the time, you really just start being insecure. Um, I would do diets. Like I did keto for the first time, I think when I was in sixth grade, (laughs) which is sickening. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I did Weight Watchers in eighth grade. And I think I lost 58 pounds. Um, And of course, you know, we gain it all back within a year. Um, Mm -hmm. And it's like, okay, well, what's the next diet I can get on? And you know, I mean, my weight was just like this all of my life. And Mm -hmm. it got really bad. You know, when I was in that relationship, but I always struggled as a kid, just feeling like I needed to change my body. I was never, it's really sad to think about. I was never content as a child with my body. I just, I constantly felt like it had to be better. It had to be skinnier and it's just not, Mm -hmm. it's not possible at all. You know? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, I think that understanding that importance in terms of like what we hear growing up and how it even if it's you know a situation like yours or a situation like for example for me like I always heard my mom talking about herself and never placed any sort of negative comments on my body but I heard her talking about her body and it kind of ingrained these like core beliefs and like automatic thoughts for me of like like you mentioned earlier as women 
our purpose is to be thin, is to be mm-hmm. attractive for men, is to like, yes. you know, meet that male gaze and like all of this stuff. And that was the messaging I was getting from my mom because she was, yes. you know, constantly talking about needing to lose weight in the next diet she yeah. was going to do. And I think that's why I'm so passionate about like reaching parents and yeah. saying like, you have to be cognizant of what you're saying yeah. around your children. Right. Because- and then those kids go to school and my mm-hmm. friends, I remember would just bat, like just horrible, talk horribly about their mm-hmm. bodies. Like, mm-hmm. Oh, I need to be skinny. And I'm like, well, if my friends think this, maybe I should be like that too, you know? And it starts with the mom. It really yeah. does. And the yeah. parents. Mm-hmm. 100%. And I think it's like, I, made a reel like a couple like last week or something about how about this importance of like parents being aware not even just parents but like teachers aunts uncles grandparents like anyone who is around children how it is like so important to be aware of like the verbiage you use and the way that you that the way that you talk and I remember getting like one or two comments from people not sure if they were parents they were adults but they had just said like oh I can't imagine how exhausting it would be to have to police every word that I used as if it's like hard not to (laughs) and I was like this is the problem like this is the issue is that there are people who just truly do not see an issue with eating disorders or disordered no. eating or dieting. If you're skinny, you're if you're skinny, that's all you need. That's exactly. what they believe. Yeah. To the point at which they're like, I don't feel like I need to police what I say around my kids because yeah. you know, these are things they need to hear. And this is just, you know, and you hear the excuse of like, well, I care about my kids' health. So I'm, you know, talking no. about weight loss and, you know, all of these things in front of them. And And I'm like, as a therapist now who works with people who were in those situations as children or even just works with teens who are in that Mm -hmm. situation now, it's like you're doing so much more harm to your child than good. And I think for some people they don't – I think it is a lack of education for some. Like it's just – they don't understand that you can be in a larger body and actually be healthier than you were right. in a thinner body. Yeah. Um, <laughs> me. <laughs> so exactly. And me too. It's like, that is, you know, such an important concept that we all need to understand is that right. you cannot look at someone's physical appearance and automatically determine what their health is. Right. Um, I caught a comment yesterday on a reel and it was like, you know, it was from an older lady and she, she said, you know, I grew up, the same way as you and now my organs are shutting down my body hurts and I just like want to reiterate that that can be a person's experience without it being every plus size person's Mm -hmm. experience and I feel like so often because one person deals with something they automatically assume okay it's all plus size people and you know it's just that's not the way it is Mm-hmm. And I think the idea that people automatically assume that if you have any health issues and you are fat or plus size, the reason yeah. why you're having health issues is because of the size of your body. 
Right. Because then we don't get the health care we need. And oh, yeah. I've dealt with that too. Yes. Yes. <laughs> it's and so it's, it's like this never ending. It's like there can be like someone in a small body can have the same exact health issues as someone in a larger body. And you're yes. the d- only difference is that you're not going to automatically assume that they're experiencing those health issues because right. they're quote unquote overweight or exactly. whatnot. So it's like, you know, it's, it's frustrating. I think that's why that education is so important. So if you're a parent, if you're a caretaker, if you're an aunt, an uncle, a grandparent, you're listening, um, like educate yourself, like take yeah. the time to educate yourself and surround yourself with people who are having these conversations because yeah. while it may feel like more work right now, I promise mm-hmm. it will 100% be worth it because yeah. your kid is going to come out of it with a much healthier relationship with food and a much healthier relationship with themselves and their bodies. And I think it has a very positive impact on the parent as well, because they're kind of forcing themselves to think about things in a way that maybe they didn't before. And it's a lot of work, you know, Mm -hmm. I do think like people need to realize, you know, you really do have to be cognizant of the words that you're using. And I know people talk about manifestation, but like, normalize your own body to yourself Mm -hmm. and then Mm -hmm. it's a lot of work but it's just it changes your life and your kids lives and everyone around you definitely 100 percent um so you had you mentioned that around covid time you started posting on tiktok um Mm -hmm. and the tiktok that you mentioned was one just about like how your body had changed how you had gained weight um was that like, was that scary for you in terms of like being vulnerable and sharing, sharing something like that with the world? Is that the first time you had ever really done it? Yeah. I actually, um, privated the video about an hour after posting it for like two hours. Um, because I just started getting an influx of like anxiety around it. Mm -hmm. Um, because I was like, you know, do I really, do I really want to post this? And then I'm like, honestly, like, this is what I look like in person. My body's changed. People might as well know, you know, <laughs> if they see yeah. me in real life, they're going to know. Mm-hmm. So I re-uploaded it and um, I got a duet from like a redhead, like kid our age, um, like videoing it, looking absolutely horrified and running on a treadmill. And I just cried for like t- a while about it because it kind of like reiterated what I was afraid of. Um, and then I was like, fuck that. I'm using that as fuel to like keep doing this because there's no reason to feel that way just because I exist in a bigger body. Like there's, it's not the worst thing that's happened to me. In fact, I'm a lot better than I was two years ago, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, so it's hard to kind of, take care of my mental health around it sometimes. And that's like one example of when it can get really rocky. Yeah, definitely. And I think like that comes up a lot just in terms of like people who will DM me or reach out asking like how to navigate the people who don't understand or the people who are so stuck in their ways. 
Um, And I think like one thing that I always have to remind myself of and other like people who reach out is like, you only have so much control, right? Like we only have so much control over, you know, what we put out. We have no control over someone else's response to what we put out there. Exactly. And I think that understanding that we can expect ourselves to control that and also understanding that it's not fair for us to remain in an unhealthy, unhappy place because of a couple of people who may not agree with us. Yes, that was so good. No, it's like, I think it's like, yeah, it's like this idea that what feels more important right? Mm -hmm. Like, does it feel more important for you to be authentically yourself, sharing what's important to you, knowing that there are people who are positively benefiting from that? Or is it more important for you to hide and to keep those things to yourself and to not say those things because you don't want to have to interact with someone who may say something mean? Exactly. Um, Obviously, there's like safety that comes into that too. If you are in an unsafe situation, obviously don't put yourself in a position where someone's going to physically assault you or something, you know, like that's all very different. But um, I think that that's one thing I always remind people who message me is it's like, you can't control what those people say. You have And everyone has opinions about everything. And I always tell myself, I'm like, you can be the sweetest peach and there's always going to be one person that doesn't like peaches and that's okay. Yes. Yes. Don't be a freaking peach. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. It's like, yeah, it's like you are never going to be able to make everyone happy. So it's like at the end of the day, you might as well do what makes you happy and post that reel or share that, you know, share that story with someone or wear what you want to wear without the fear of like what someone's going to think. And especially because because that one post can just change someone's life completely and make them decide like, okay, today's the day I'm going to start embracing my body and my Mm -hmm. fashion sense or whatever. Yeah. And even if it's like not even looking at social media, but just like day to day life and you going out wearing what you want and feeling confident people are going to see that and people are going to be like, Oh, she looks really good. And she looks really confident. And that's going to encourage other people to like have that same love and grace and empathy toward themselves. And I think that it's a lot more powerful than we sometimes lead ourselves to believe it is. So fashion, this is your kind of world. And has it always been like, has fashion always been, no, it hasn't. <laughs> yeah. I um I used to only, I'm not kidding, like I go through pictures on my mom's Facebook and I used to just do whatever I could to hide my body. Um and I wanted to wear what my friends were wearing and I knew um what I would do if I was styling myself. So instead, this sounds I would have my brass dolls growing up and I would cut up their clothing sew it, clip it how I wanted it and kind of style them. Um, <laughs> so I guess that well, you always had this like fashion sense in a way sense. Yeah. But yeah. never for myself. I was like, Oh, mm-hmm. I can't do it on my body type. So I'll just do it on my brat stalls. And then I was like, you know, first of all, having a curvier 
plus size Bratz doll would have helped me out a lot. Um, But I finally got to a point where I was in recovery and I was like, you know, this is something I love and I don't care if people see these arm flaps, my stomach, I don't care anymore. I'm going to show people how I want to dress and that they can do the same if they want. And, um, you know, of course they'll get comments like, oh, that's so unflattering. I hate that Mm -hmm. word, but I get those Mm -hmm. comments all the time. And, um, I'm not doing it for anyone else. I'm doing it for myself. And I want to remind other people that they should do the same. If you like something, if you feel confident in something, if you've always wanted to try something on, do it, wear it. And if other people don't like it, they don't have to look, you know, Mm -hmm. and you just have Mm -hmm. to go into it with that mindset. 100%. Yeah. And I think that that is kind of such an important thing to reflect on is like as like younger version of you yourself yeah you had this like fashion sense but there was like this hesitation to explore that or even just like lack of pieces yeah seriously I was so poor I was so mm -hmm. poor I couldn't I couldn't afford any Mm -hmm. I mean my mom we lived in like a shelter we literally couldn't Mm -hmm. afford Mm -hmm. things yeah um but I always knew what I would wear if I could. Yes. yes yeah. yeah. And that as, as, as well as like just the availability of like, I remember for myself, like I would go into like um, justice and oh what God. was the other one called? Similar Wait. to justice, but limited to limited to. Yes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Oh my gosh, limited to, yeah, so crazy. I would go in with my cousin and I remember never being able to find anything that fit me. And yes, it was I would so be in the triggering. dressing room and I'd be like, I'd come out and I'd be like, oh, I mean, it fit, but it just didn't look good. It just wasn't <laughs> yeah. like, I would just like pull like a bullshit lie out of my butt and be like, this Same. Is, doesn't look good. So no, it's good. I'm fine. I don't need to Same. get anything. And so that definitely impacted me too. And like, it reiterates that like, yeah, yeah, that we don't deserve to have pieces that fit us. Right. Such still like such a struggle. It's still such Mm -hmm. a struggle. Like I get so sad sometimes because I want to find pieces that like, you know, curvy women and plus size women can wear. And I can't, like, I can't Mm -hmm. find clothes without Disney characters or cold shoulders or ruffles in random places. And like, all I want to do is wear a cute halter knit crop top that Mm -hmm, like these mm -hmm. other people are able to wear. Yeah, definitely. And Mm -hmm. I think that that's what makes like what you do and what other like plus size fashion, like creators, what makes that so important is that you are so helpful in finding those pieces. Um, even though I know that's exhausting for you to have to be that person. Um, (laughs) I think like for a lot of people, it's almost like disheartening and there, it can almost be um, hard to kind of navigate out of that negative body image space when you literally can't find pieces that are cute that fit your body. And for a lot of people, they're like, well, maybe this would just be easier if I just lost weight. And then I would have access to all of these pieces and I can dress how I want. Um, So I think that's what makes like accounts like yours so important is that it kind of encourages people that you don't need to lose weight. Like you're perfect the way you are. Let's work together 
Let's find these pieces. Let's find the brands that are making them. And yes, it's hard. And yes, it sucks that it has to be this hard. But we're doing it together. And I think that's incredibly helpful. So helpful. Yeah, me too. I, my favorite thing is when like a brand will reach out to me looking to collaborate and I like click on their website and they only go to like a size large. I'm like, large? What? Yeah. I'm like, you think I'm going to fit in a large? Yeah. What the heck? Yeah. I had like a bikini company reach out to me and um, they were wanting to like collaborate for the summer and I was like, oh my God, these are adorable. They're so yeah. cute. And then I go and they like literally only go up to a large. And I was like, you really think that your large bikini top is going to fit my 40 double D boobs? Yeah. And my (laughs) like size 14, 16, like waist. Like this is not going to work. (laughs) Right. I'm like, girl, I'm a size 18. Like, did you even look at my, (laughs) did you even look at my face? I was like, Crazy. oh my gosh. But, you know, that's what that's what we've signed up for is, you know, to yeah. have those conversations and to filter yeah. out those brands and yes. to share the good ones with with the people who who follow along. Exactly. So what piece of advice then would you give someone who is kind of coming to terms with the changes that their body has undergone, Mm -hmm. whether um, it's COVID and they've gained weight or they're in recovery from an eating disorder or whatever it may be, but they're wanting to really learn to accept it and speak to it kindly. What like piece of advice would you give them? Three, (laughs) three, three. Amazing. Get into therapy. Um, I'm still in therapy. It's it's seriously made the biggest difference in how I speak mm-hmm. to myself. Mm-hmm. Number two, change the way that you speak to yourself when you're in the mirror, rather than picking out five bad things that you hate about with your your reflection. Pick out six good things. Like, okay, what did my body do for me today? It allowed me to walk. It allowed me to talk. Mm-hmm. These rolls allow me to eat. Um, you know, things like that. And then number three is follow women that look like you. Um, That has made such a huge difference in how I view myself because I used to just follow like, you know, all of these celebrities and influencers that did not look like me in any capacity. And I would get so sad because I wanted what they were wearing and they didn't look like me Mm -hmm. and they looked so beautiful, but I didn't look like them. And um, I really had to remind myself their beauty doesn't take away from my own, but I can find, you know, other women that look like me and make me feel beautiful. And that's like what your page did for me. Like it inspired me to kind of like get started with things. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. I think that that's that last one. I mean, all of them are very important, but that last one Mm -hmm. is so important because I think it goes back to kind of what we were talking about before in terms of like the impact that like what we hear or heard growing up, how it, yeah. how it has shaped us and impacted us. Yeah. Um, that process still happens yes. as we are in, as we are adults, right? Like we, yeah. yeah. 
have developed core beliefs and automatic thoughts as children and throughout our life, but those things, that process is always happening. And so if we're trying to heal our relationship with our body or trying to speak kindly to ourselves, but we're constantly surrounding ourselves with people who are talking about how to lose weight, a certain like body shape that you should try and attain, obviously you're going to struggle with having that positive like voice for yourself. Yeah, Um, exactly. So it just, I think that's so important because I think people get frustrated. They're like, why is this so hard? Why is this so difficult? And I ask them. There's so many things. Yes, 100%. So many things. But I'm always like, take a minute to think about who you're surrounding yourself with. Like what messaging are you bringing are you taking in every day? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Love that. And I think there's things obviously in that, that are like out of our control. Like, yeah, we have parents and as adults, our parents still say things and yeah. <laughs> coworkers and stuff like yeah. that. Friends and I think and like yeah. friends, 100%. Yeah. I think that if I could, you know, give one piece of advice, it would be that boundaries, <laughs> Yes. Are yes. critical, so important. And yeah. saying, this is the work I'm doing. And, yeah. you know, I'm trying to avoid kind of conversations about this, this, and this. So yeah. can we try and maybe not talk about these things when I'm around? Or can we talk about things that, you know, feel genuine and important? <laughs> yeah. Can we talk about things that aren't our body, even? Exactly. You know? Yeah. I feel like How it's such you? a topic of How are you doing? Yes. Like, yes. actually ask someone, how are you? How are you doing? Like, yes. what have you been up to? What excites you? What's been, yes. you know, like those sort of things. And I feel like that also just like automatically develops a more genuine and like deeper relationship with the people in your life. I completely agree. Yeah. I've definitely struggled with like setting those boundaries with like friends, but mm-hmm. I've learned and it's really made the biggest difference. So what, what made that feel easier for you? Yeah. Therapy. Therapy. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I, yeah. I'll never forget. I, I told my friend, you know, you make my body feel like it's your worst nightmare. <laughs> and mm-hmm. um, I told her that it kind of just flew out of my mouth because I went to therapy that day. <laughs> It was all right there. (laughs) Yeah. But all I had to do is tell her how it made me feel to make her realize like, okay, this is really negatively affecting not only how she viewed herself, but those Mm -hmm. around her. And it changed things for her as well. But yeah, yeah, therapy definitely (laughs) inspired me (laughs) to do that. Yeah. I feel like that's so common with all of my clients is there, there definitely is like a stigma with boundaries. Like a lot of people have this idea that if someone is setting a boundary, they're like upset with you or Or um, they're being rude or whatnot. And I always find myself reminding clients, I'm like, boundaries are a way for you to express to someone that you truly care about that relationship. Yes. And I love that. You want to make that relationship as healthy as possible. And boundaries are how you do that. Boundaries are how you have those conversations, respect one another and understand like, 
how can we make this the best relationship, friendship possible? And how can we use boundaries to like support that, not to like destroy it? Absolutely right. I love that. (laughs) It's hard though. It's hard, but it's it's so hard. (laughs) It's so hard. Practice. You have to like, Mm -hmm. I literally would just practice like all the time in my mirror. (laughs) Yes. Yes, definitely. Um, So one last thing that I want to just quickly talk about. Um, You mentioned you had this toxic relationship but you're now in what appears to be this very happy, healthy relationship, which yes. I think is incredible. And I think obviously you're so deserving of that. And I'm curious, like, what did that transition look like for you in terms of like, I mean, I'm sure the answer is therapy again. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, therapy. I learned. Mm-hmm. um you know, really what I deserved and that I didn't need to try and be anything I wasn't for someone I was dating. And if I did feel that need, then they weren't my person. Mm -hmm. Um, And now I'm in this relationship and Carly, like I've never experienced anything like this in my life. It's so healthy. It's so Mm -hmm. easy. And obviously relationships are work, Mm -hmm. but I don't feel like I need to change anything about myself and he doesn't feel like he needs to change anything about himself. It's just smooth sailing. And we have very open communication about things. Like when we started our relationship, I'm like, okay, here's what I struggled with before. Um, I kind of set those boundaries early and it made all the difference. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, it's just thriving now. And I'm so thankful. I'm like, I hope I marry him. (laughs) I mean, I hope so too. I mean, it definitely like comes across as, you know, like you both are very happy and obviously that's like hard to gauge through social media. Um, but I think that like you are, you're so genuine and you're so open that I think that if there were anything there, you would probably share it and talk about it. (laughs) Um, Yes, yes. Um, but I think that that's that's always so empowering to hear someone yeah. who has come from a toxic relationship that had yeah. a very negative impact on your mental, emotional, physical well-being. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that that oftentimes can like almost hinder people from finding that healthy relationship. Um, Because I think like one thing that I hear a lot with clients is that they truly don't think that they deserve better. That was me for like the longest time. It was Mm -hmm. me. (laughs) Yeah. And I think like for anyone listening who has been in a toxic relationship or who is in one, I just want you to know, and Chloe, I'm sure you're right here along with me, wanting you to know that like you deserve so much better and you don't have to settle and you don't have to put yourself in these unhealthy, toxic situations. Like there is, like you, there are people who want to help you get out of that. And yeah. You deserve to get out of that. And I know that getting out of toxic relationships is hard. 
And it's not as easy as just packing your bags and leaving. There can be a lot more to it. It can be very complex. Um, But I think that that just is a reminder of the importance of like having your people, having those people that you can like go to and say like, I need out of this. Like this is not, this isn't healthy. Um, Exactly. And you deserve that healthy relationship and deserve to be loved and you deserve to be celebrated and accepted for who you are. And I never want someone to feel like they have to settle because we all deserve better than that. Cheers to that. Cheers <laughs> Seriously. To that. Cheers to that. This has been healing for me. <laughs> Yay. I yeah. love that. I love that. Thanks. So to kind of wrap things up then, um, I would love for you to share one piece of advice for people okay. who are wanting to explore their fashion sense a little, but they're maybe afraid to do that. What piece of advice would you give people to like start that, to like take that step to really develop that fashion for themselves? Yeah. Um, So what I did is I actually went and created a Pinterest board and on my Pinterest account, I followed plus size fashion accounts Mm -hmm. and I made a huge mood board of what I would love to kind of emulate with my fashion sense. And I just really started surrounding myself with people who were my size, shopping in those stores that carried my size. And I was like, oh, like I actually can dress how I want. So really following people again who mm-hmm. look like mm-hmm. you um, and kind of just create like manifest, I guess you could say, what you want that to look like for yourself. Um, and then reach out to people who inspire you and see what got them started and how they got mm-hmm. started. And open those conversations and get advice from that. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I think that's such great advice. Um, 100%. I think earlier you had made a good point too of like um, removing those like labels of like yes. flattering, unflattering. Like, yes. For my body type, not for my body type. It's like, I think yeah. that can be very similar to when we like label foods, right? Like yes. good food, bad food. Bad, when we yeah. label things flattering or unflattering. Yeah. When we put that piece of clothing on that's quote unquote unflattering, we're going to doing it for everyone else. Exactly. And we're going to automatically yeah. feel like, oh, this is unflattering. So I shouldn't wear this. Right. Um, you're already convincing yourself that this is not going right. to look good on you. And yeah, I think like, that's been helpful for me too, is like removing those labels and just saying like, how do I feel in this piece of clothing? Yeah. Right. Like, yes, my arms are out. Why am I so afraid of my arms being out? Or yes, my stomach is out. Why am I so afraid of my stomach being out? We all have arms. We all have stomachs. We all have (laughs) these things, right? So it's like other people don't like it. Don't look, who cares? Exactly. You know, like we feel good, wear <laughs> it anyways. Wear the yeah. outfit anyways. Wear the outfit anyways. Yes, I yeah. love that. I think it's so important. And hopefully, listeners, you are walking away from this episode feeling empowered, feeling like ready to wear the clothes that you want to wear. Take control of the way that you speak to yourself. Take back control of the way that you allow other people to impact Mm -hmm. the way that you view yourself. Um, 
And hopefully you're feeling empowered to like find that community and surround yourself with people who make you feel good because community is so, so important. It's like, we can try and do all this stuff on our own and it's going to be fucking exhausting. So you might as well try and find that community for you where you can like, you know, surround yourself with people who empower you and uplift you and make you feel, you know, like you're not alone in all of this. Exactly. And get a good therapist on top of community. (laughs) 100%. Get a good therapist on top of it. Get a therapist who is happy to help you find your community, you know, like all of that. I think therapy and as someone, obviously I'm biased. I am a therapist who is very biased. So I'm like, therapy (laughs) is is the The answer, right? (laughs) I think it is. Yeah, I think it is. <laughs> in whatever capacity it looks like, whether it's yeah. you follow therapist and that's all that you can do right now, or yeah. you attend free support groups online because that's all that you can do right now. Like all of that is valid and yeah. understanding what feels possible for you right now um, exactly. is all that matters. I agree 100%. So to wrap things up then, Chloe, do you mind just sharing with listeners where they can find you? Yes. You can find me on Instagram or TikTok at Chloe underscore Exandria. And that's spelled X-A-N-D-R-I-A. Amazing. And I'll put everything in the show notes as well so people can find you easily. It's funny because I was like, is it Exandria or is it... (laughs) uh Zandria like you know how sometimes if it's an x it's like a z sign of sound yeah sometimes? yeah it slides yes. into the vowel but yes. <laughs> okay so like it's exandria okay. yeah love that love that <laughs> Thank um you. so i'm gonna put everything in the show notes and okay. listeners if you have questions if you need support feel free to reach out to me chloe i'm mm-hmm. sure your dms yeah. are open as well in some capacity yes. Maybe some boundaries yeah. there, but that can all be <laughs> <Yeah>. discussed <laughs> later. Exactly. Um, and listeners, if you resonated with today's episode, please feel free to leave a rating or a review, share it with a friend, share it with a family member. Um, we've all have we all have some experience in what we talked about today, whether it's mm-hmm. body image or fashion or toxic relationships or you name it. I'm sure that you know, most of us relate to, to something we talked about today. So feel free to share Absolutely. it. Your support means the world. And Chloe, thank you so much for being here. This has been phenomenal. Me. Of course, I know that we've been talking about this and I'm so glad we finally got it to happen. Same. And I think people are going <laughs> to love, I think listeners are going to love today's episode. Anyways, thank you, Chloe, for being here. And I'll see you all in the next episode. Thank you.